Welcome back to the LIBF Financial Advisor podcast. This is part one of a three-part special podcast on all things consumer duty, bonds, markets and investments. All the important stuff going on in our industry at the moment. Part one of this three-part podcast discusses the new regulation legislation of consumer duty. So let's get on with the pod. I hope you enjoy listening. everybody welcome to god knows what, what number podcast this is it's the financial advisor podcast from the london institute of banking and finance here we are again um uh we've done loads of these now and obviously we've got more to come so lots of great conversation coming up uh in this episode and the next actually so lots to lots to really sort of get our teeth into um huge amount of stuff going on in the industry whether it's disruption in the markets whether it's uh, new regulation legislation you name it it is absolutely hitting us left right and center so um, you know, if ever we th- ever thought we were ever going to run out of things to say, mind you, to be fair, my fellow podcasters have never run out of anything to say. Not in my experience. I think we've probably rattled on for a good couple of hours if we needed to. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, the normal uh, cr- motley crew of pod- podders that we've got here. Uh, Nicola Barker from SJP. How are you, Nicola? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. And as always, thanks for having me. Good to be here. You've been missing in action for the last couple of podcasts as well. We've been missing you terribly. So it's good to have you back. Oh, thank you. Well, listen, the reason being is, um, and I don't, I'm not, well, it's a great platform. I'm not bragging, but I've been head into my MBA, the finale. And I am just delighted to say that. Thank you, guys. I passed. Um, and I got a distinction. So so that's what I've been doing. I know. So thank you. Honestly, just Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your views. Thank you for helping me with my research because without you guys, I couldn't have done it. So thank you. And that includes all uh, everybody that listens to this. We did a fantastic podcast a few weeks ago, didn't we, on um, women in finance, which was what your MBA was all about. And it, it mm-hmm. was just um, funny enough, I was remarking on about that to a colleague today around, you know, even now we've been to um, conferences recently and meetings and god knows what else you know still heavily male orientated and you know the what are we got to do to change it and all the things that we need to do to get rid of the um the the male stale and pale uh amongst us in the in the industry and and, and move things along a little bit um and and the reasons why women don't come into financial services mm-hmm. as well you know so it's in, it's it was an amazing podcast so I encourage anybody to go back and listen to that it was led by nicola and it was just an absolute pleasure to run um and and, and many many congratulations well deserved as well nicola a distinction that's just absolutely I incredible know. so thank you so much really really amazing um also with us today martin clark at landmark how are you doing martin I'm good, John. Very busy, as always. Can I can't just say that I buck the trend of women in, in financial services. Are you, because, are you uh, is there something we should know, Martin? Or? No, no, you, you should just know that uh, I have a team mainly made up of young ladies. So uh, so I buck the young and the ladies trend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know something good for you. I I think it's just amazing, really, to have that. You know, we need that balance and and, and anybody listening. You know, I really hope that, you know, the EDI agenda is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, everything that we do, um, we're, we're running, LIBF are running a mortgage conference on the 3rd of November. Uh, please come and attend. Obviously, you know, tickets will be available um, very, very soon at very, very reasonable prices. Central London, we really, really want everybody to come and, and enjoy themselves. We've got amazing sponsors and I'll talk to everybody about that later on. But um, suffice to say that everybody that we get as a sponsor wants to know 
what your EDI policy is, your equality, diversity and inclusion policy. Um, otherwise, they won't join you. You know, they won't work with you. You know, and I think that is a brilliant move forward. I think that it's great that you have to make sure that people understand what your policy is on it, because if you don't have a policy on it these days and it's not woke, it's not playing to the public, it's not doing any of that sort of stuff at all. Quite frankly, women in finance give equally, if not better, consumer outcomes than anybody else. I think it's absolutely tremendous because they're more balanced in the way that they approach things. So I think it's just a tremendous way of going about stuff and, and all power to everybody. So well done, Martin. Um, finally, David Owen with a brand new title and a brand new company. My God, it's almost like introducing a new person. You're a new reborn person, aren't you, Dave? Yeah, but I'm still pale. Um, yes, a male. Yes, I am. Yes, still here. And uh, the new company, good news is, there's uh, many congratulations, by the way, Nicola. But we, we are big focus here on women in finance. That's, that's the, all the talk at the moment at the Open Work Partnership. Yeah, and, and rightly so. You know, it, Absolutely, it, absolutely. Been, I, th I think as an industry, we've been talking about it for so long. And, and but yet, you know, every you must have been to conferences this year. I'm sure I have, and others have as well. And you walk into the room, and yeah, you're, you're surrounded by, you know, three piece suits and uh, and you know, uh, lots of uh, designer stubble and all the rest of it. And uh, you know, it, and actually, even for Nicola, I mean, it looks good on you, mind you, Nicola. That's great. The I didn't stubble. shave. Sorry, John. <laughs> Um, but it is really, really important and, a, and a, an important subject now that, you know, we really do need to address as an industry. I think it's, it's absolutely tremendous, but not for this podcast. Go back and listen to Nicola's because it honestly mm. she did a far, far better job than I could possibly do today. It's just tremendous to tremendous listening. Um, but what we are going to talk about today and some of this will carry forward into um, part two of this podcast. So basically this podcast is going to be split in two um, and we're going to have um we're going to be talking about, first and foremost, consumer duty, uh, which I think um, really Martin, Dave and I have been sort of focusing on. Nicola in her role hasn't really been focused on it so much. I really you're here to sort of listen and contribute really more than anything else, aren't you, Nicola, for this particular mm -hmm. session. But I think what it is such a big, big um, thing going on in the industry. You know, it's, it, for at the moment, poor Mr. Owen, it's become all consuming for him. And, and, and I know that um, it, it, it's a particular focus for him. We've been doing a lot of podcasts and webinars on the subject uh, and working very closely with WorkSmart recently as well, who are going to come to our conference and explain it in a little bit more detail. Um, but we've also, you know, I know Martin's very much in, uh, in, enshrined in it as well. Uh, then we're going to talk about um, the, 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 well, the, the, the much misunderstood and missing from the vice process bond. Um, so we'll talk about that for a little while as well, which I think is going to be quite an interesting thing to, to have a think about. And then finally, um, we're going to talk about the markets, really, you know, what on earth is going on um, and how differing opinions in the market are really driving confusion for advisors. And in a, in a market that's really uncertain, how do you expand your business? How do you make the most of what we've got around ourselves? I always remember um, a, a, an incredible financial advisor used to work for me um, in a previous uh, role who in a falling market, and bearing in mind most advisors haven't seen a falling market in over 12, 14 years, uh, and nothing like this, and nothing to any great capacity. Um, but in a falling market, um, she went to see a client and said to, said, said to the said client, um, uh, um, your investment has done exactly what I said it would do. Now's the time to start moving your money in. And because she'd explained everything properly to this client, he knew that not to panic in a falling market, but that's when to invest. 
and at the height of it, not to start throwing more money at it. And she told him straight, that's exactly what I said it would do. He said, I totally agree with you. And he put an extra 50,000 pounds into his funds. And that is knowing and planning ahead and expanding your business. So I think that sort of consummately puts it. So um, so that's basically what we're going to get up to. So but I think without further ado, I think we'll start with consumer duty, really. Uh, and I think I'll start with Dave here, really. So consumer duty and for everybody's information, I'm sure uh, what we're finding is firms are taking it seriously. Advisors at the moment are probably very misinformed about this at the moment where they've, they've been told that it's basically treating customers fairly don't worry about it it's more to do right and um, anybody that is working on it at the moment knows this is not just a little bit of an addition to treating customers fairly this is a significant move forward and a change to the way consumer outcomes are being led in the market um and the final paper for this the final uh, the end of the consultation the policy statement will come out at the end of what is well we're on the first of july we're recording this so at the end of this month is when it comes out and we have nine months we've got until the until april next year to implement it which is no time at all when it comes to such a big policy shift um i think that um you know from what i'm hearing from the market what i've been when i've been talking to people um some people are treating it seriously some people aren't bigger firms have really got a big job on, on their hands there's absolutely no question about that um, the smaller firms have got to equally treat it seriously, but of course are under-resourced when it comes to doing this sort of thing. Um, and obviously, you know, we've got two very, very differing businesses really between um, Dave's business and Martin's business. Um, so I'll start with Dave first of all at the Open Work Partnership. What's going on when it comes to consumer duty? Well, as you can imagine, we're we're we're, we're all over it in a, in a good way. But uh, I think it's worth taking a step back, John, uh, yeah. for everybody if they haven't picked up on this. So we had RDR, of course, that came into force uh, on that first day of 2013, if you remember, Ali. And it was a big thing, and uh, it did everything. Everything's well documented, but it was only for what we call COB, which is what we call wealth management or financial planning, however you want to coach that. And it didn't apply to mortgages and protection in other areas of the market. And then we've had a number of things happen since. Um, and for example, you know, we've got manufacturers that may still manufacture products that aren't suitable. We had the mini bonds crisis. We've had advice around defined benefit schemes and British steel workers and others that hasn't been appropriate and lots of other things that's gone on. So I think it's a very genius really from the FCA. So instead of coming out with a um, set of rules for mortgages that brings them in line with RDR or protection or whatever and all that sort of stuff, it's one bit of legislation or guidance, which is consumer duty which is for everybody, and it puts the um, focus on the outcome, which I think is a really fascinating thing about it, because if you look at the key headers, for example, just look at my crib notes, price and value, you know, for example, um, we might think as an individual advisor, as a firm, you go, yeah, we've got it all sorted, we do all the research, and we do all that, and all sorts of things. Now, as, as a, an individual advisor, you might go, I give my clients great value. But has anybody ever asked the clients what they perceive value to be? And bearing in mind, we have to do an evidence-based report to the FCA to say, I am providing value. Um, that, that, you know, stuff like that. So what we're going to have to do, I think the research companies, the compliance specialists like Martin, are going to do very well out of this. 
because we all need a lot of assistance to make sure that we've got this right on and we've got repeatable processes that make sense. But, you know, it's, it's not just, obviously, it's not just advisors, it's about distributors. One thing I was thinking about the other day is, for example, I remember under Method 2, you had to make sure that if you manufactured funds, that clients could understand them. And therefore, you had to decide if they were suitable for retail investors mm. or they were suitable for um, only institutional investors. And that's been left down. That was left down to the individual asset managers, distributors to, to make a decision on that. And they carried out their own research. And at the time where I worked before, we had uh, we got together a group of clients through a research agency and they independently took them through a fund we were going to launch. And they told us whether or not they could understand it, the clients did and whether they thought it was suitable for people like themselves. And that was that was the hygiene factor to decide whether to launch a product. Now, everybody's going to do that. And I think it's going to retest. I, I personally think it's going to be some interesting things that come out of this. Because we all know there's some, there's some stuff out there, which are products, which are good. Don't get me wrong, nobody's been disadvantaged about them. But if you grow a panel of clients together, people in the street, and independently tested them, I'm not sure they'd understand them. Mm. And I think stuff like that, there's going to be loads of it. So it's not it's not Big Bang. It's not going to be everything changes from this date. I think what it's going to be, it's going to be a slow constriction, getting everybody to the same place, providing the same level of service and the same outcomes for clients. I, th- I think what, that that's absolutely bang on point. And, and, and what really drives that is all consumers have to be put in a position where they can make a reasonable judgment and make a, a fully informed, I think that's the key to this, what is fully informed, a fully informed decision on any financial um, product that they or service that they, they take out. And so that fully informed position is it for me it's twofold actually Dave one is the product itself like you're describing I mean you know that and, and the cost and the costings as well I mean you know how do you know that that cost over another is going to be so significantly different or cheaper or the right thing for you or actually what is value for money so much in that I know Martin's going to measure on this in a second because I know he's sort of got a real sort of um not headache over it I think it's probably the best word Martin I think that really sort of it's one that's thrown you but the other for the one for me I think the one that really stands out for me when it comes to that informed decision is especially in the later life space there are so many options and there are so many advice streams so if you for instance an equity release advisor at the moment how on earth do you know what's affecting other parts of somebody's retirement planning if you're not authorized to do so and how is it then that that consumer is in a fully informed position. And I can't see how that would work without full referencing across from one advice stream to another. So, so similarly with the, if the product is right, it's also the service and actually the advice stream that a person's in. And not only that, it works both ways. How many IFAs are specialists in the equity release market? And what do we actually call later life planning? But we'll come back to that in a second, I suspect. But Martin, I think you're probably itching to get stuck into this really, because I know that you've got a real beef about that bit. <laughs> No, it's, it's funny, when, whenever sort of uh, Dave goes first, I always sit here and scribble down loads of things because he gives me loads of things to think about, you, you know, and whatever and that sort of thing. Yeah, look, our, our firm, you know, the, the, the place that I sort of contract with at the moment is worlds apart from where, where Dave uh, sits, you know, mm-hmm. for thousands and thousands of advisors and you know, about over 4,000 advisors, I think, are our open works, Dave, aren't there at the moment, you know, where we, we sit at uh, early 30s. So, you know, completely different. But the same rules apply. 
and and then this is this is the interesting part you know we, we talk about um you know clients being fully informed you know but what does that actually mean as far as regulators concerned you know i I have this fear and, you know, out of the four points, the fully informed one that, that does bother me because, you know, in the past, things like fully informed have led to a client receiving a letter so long that they probably never read it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, every looks at fully informed as you must document this to make sure that you've had that conversation with a client and you can evidence that you've had it with a client. Um, but a client needs to be informed in a way that, they can completely understand and, and regurgitate almost the advice that you've given them. You know, that, that's the, the whole point of what they're trying to bring in. Um, so I know, you know, I look at some of the letters that our lot produce at the moment in terms of communication to the client, you know, and I, I checked a, a suitability report for a pension switch the other day that was 49 pages long. Now, with respect, you know, the, the client's going to get to page five, I would imagine, and and it's it's going to lead once again to the, well, look, I just trust my advisor. Mm. You know, this is, you know, I trust my advisor to do the right thing or whatever, but that doesn't wash in the event of a complaint. So yes. this, is, this is a lot bigger than, than people see. It genuinely is. I, I, think, I think it's going to grow arms and legs. And, and Dave says he uses the phrase, he's quite right, you know, a slow constriction process on this. Um, and I think he's right because we're only going to get to where it needs to be by the rules and, you know, coming in. And FCA, future FCA visits to firms, finding that some people still aren't playing. And you know, my own, my only hope is that it doesn't end up having the same effect as RDR did, because there was as as much good as RDR actually created in the profession that we're in. It actually did lead to a lot of damn good advisors leaving the profession because they couldn't afford to comply with what was brought in, and that was a shame because the only person that suffers when that happens is the client because they're not getting the advice that, that they actually need. But in terms of, you know, the, the one I looked at recently was price and value. Okay, so that's, that's one of the four, it's price and value. It is. And that holds its own issues um, for a lot of firms, you know. So you've got a lot of firms, for example, that currently charge clients based on percentage of assets under management and, and things of that kind, you know. So, yeah, and there's some big firms that will say, well, I'll tell you what we'll do, you know, our ongoing service charge would only ever be half a percent and that's half a percent whether you've got five million or fifty thousand pounds do you know what i mean so is that fair value you, you know fellow does, does it cost much more to put you know five million pounds into a multi-asset range of funds or a, or your own in-house portfolios than it does to put fifty thousand in there you know so you, you've got that um you know have, have you got firms for example where you've got you know, we might charge a, a 2% initial charge as a maximum and a 1% ongoing service charge as a maximum. But within those those sort of uh, those areas, the advisors can run their own business and charge actually sort of, you know, as long as they're within those parameters, then that's that's fine. But is that fine? Because that, you know, once again, that, that means that you could have somebody with exactly the same funds under management getting charged a completely different fee to somebody with, you know, with, so, do you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, there's lots of ideas in terms of, uh, you know, tiering the charges that we have and, and things of that kind, you know, that can get bought in fixed fees, you know, they, these can be bought in. It's going to be difficult to unravel it, you know, it's going to be a challenge. So, you know, as much as the profession needs it, 
because it's going to be far better for the consumer at the end. Um, it, it, we just need to, I think, be careful that it's done with the spirit that it's intended. And that's to make sure that the client gets the best understandable, fully informed advice at the end, but for the right fee to keep the business operating as well as the client happy. Yeah, spot and that's where I see it. No, you're, you're absolutely spot on. And, and, and for those that obviously, you know, you, you want to learn more, certainly go and look it up. But the, yeah, yeah um, I've got a, my little pyramid in front of me to remind me of all the different nuances when it comes to consumer duty. So the principle, a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. To be honest, that is not a big change and it's certainly not a surprise for anybody. You'd expect that to be going on. We then have these cross-cutting rules where firms must act in good faith towards retail customers, avoid foreseeable harm to retail customers. So that's an interesting one in itself. Martin touched on this. Um, does your advice come up to scrutiny, not today with your 50-page report, but in six years' time? Or is it tomorrow's endowment or is it tomorrow's PPI? You know what I mean? All these sort of things, you know, it seems like a good idea today. Not only that, but costs and charges would come into that as well. So it's an enormous thing. And then enable and support retail customers to pursue their financial objectives. So I think the key to that is having products and services that are unreasonable, don't allow you to switch, change, cancel, move along without, you know, prohibitive charges and all that sort of stuff comes into all of that kind of thing. So products and services have got to be redesigned to help consumers with that. And that's something that I know a lot of firms are having to work on as well. And then the four outcomes that they're looking for, products and services, which we've talked about, price and value, which Martin's really gone into uh, with, with great uh, plomb, consumer understanding and then consumer support. And that goes into even things like help desks. You know, is it is it easy for somebody to transact with a company? Is it easy for them to pick up the phone and talk to them? Have they got to go online and, 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 and it's online only? They can't talk to anybody and the system keeps falling down and all that sort of stuff would come into being unreasonable under consumer duty. So, you know, having a bad system, you know, now the FCA fine banks all the time. They're, they are finding banks all the time. So that is something that really is coming in on its own. So, but I think I, the thing I've just picked out from there really, Martin, you know, apart from the the the, the, the cost of services is really that, you know, the, the, the advice itself, would it come under scrutiny later on down the line? And how does it come under scrutiny? So Nicola, obviously your thoughts, obviously you've heard us um, mm -hmm. sort of banging on about this and, and, and some very well-informed stuff there, as you've heard from both Dave and Martin. Um, you know, and, and I know SJP, I, I, you know, I know you guys are already really taking this very, very seriously mm -hmm. indeed. But obviously you've, you've experienced all the changes over the last few years regarding RDR and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, it's the spirit, isn't it, really, that we're looking for here as, you know, as, amongst, as much as everything else. Mm. Do you know, from a, from a just listening and from an observation outside looking in, Everything that we've talked about, or you know, yourself, John, or, or Dave and um, Martin have, have, have covered, don't come as a surprise because, in the nicest sense, it's nothing new. No. You know, like you talked about RDR, there has always been a focus on making fully informed choices, decisions. There's always been, you know, that whole, um, I suppose, the price and, and, and value aspect is, is around. It's like, yeah, how, how do you value your proposition? I suppose the, the, the difficulty comes in that, for example, Openwork or Landmark or SJP, we all have different pricing models. And so and, unless you're going to standardise the pricing model, 
you it's not a level playing field and it, and it and it falls down because you know what i perceive to be value would be probably different to yours john and so on so whereas value is the price somebody's prepared to pay and so if somebody continue it continually agrees to pay a price then ergo i suppose that should mean oh, that means you feel that as a client you're getting value for your money but equally i get the point well but but if you don't know what you're comparing it to then how do you know what you don't know so uh, you know there's a danger that that we were actually in the, in the nicer sense again this is my observation um i'm not as sconcing it like the other guys are that the the ethos of what the fca are trying to do is literally ramp up the rdr ethic and make it more transparent, clear, or, or, or have a bit more structure, framework around it, they're running a risk of actually making it far greyer than the black and white scenario that they're hoping to get, you know? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll watch for that. I think from a, um, if I think about my environment and working with perhaps, you know, like, like Martin, you're saying you've got 30 advisors or whatever. If, I, if I'm looking at, say, the single partner practices that perhaps I, I, I work with, I think um, robust process and um, it, it is key in this. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we touched on the, the, the question of, well, if somebody's got £5 million or, or £5,000 invested, you know, what sort of service should they get? And I think having a, a robust business or a value proposition, whether you, you know, you said make your clients, clear them, but having the bones in place is paramount to then obviously get to the point where we know review process is super important in what we do. And it's going to be even more process. What value, are, you know, are, is somebody getting? But also the, the, the aspect of... Um, having that robust almost you know martin you touched on like having a 49 page suitability letter now i don't know the content of that but it's kind of like it sounds like we're getting back to the reasons why not as opposed to the reasons why and and as i say it just lends itself to you know making it more uh, complicated whereby actually and, this, and i'm just speaking from an sjp perspective just now as standard you always talk about the alternatives considered and discounted and why i know that's what we do now, we're not equity release specialists for the sake of argument, but you can reference to say, well, look, these are your all options. However, I'm guiding you down this route because. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where because we don't know and they haven't, they've given you a, a, a broad church of something that everybody's got to have their own interpretations to, to, you know, to fit their own business models. So. It's a tricky yeah. one. And I think yeah. that, you know, you've got large firms, small firms involved in this, you know, you've got the potential for the big guys, hate to say this, that could literally undercut the little guys. You could turn it into a yard sale to a certain extent, you know, and then the value is with you and that forces the hand of smaller guys, you know, not that I think that would des desperately happen, but it does show that, you know, might is right in situations like this it can be a bit tricky. Um, you, you do have um, a real, like you say, you can you could almost over egg the pudding here, and I think Martin was alluding to this in that you know the spirit of the of this consumer duty is putting the the consumer central to the advice process, not the other way around. At the moment, they are not essential as much as we like to think they are. They're not. So effectively, they're right in the middle, and everything else operates around them. 
but of course to get the fully formed um the fully formed uh decision from the customers so they know exactly that they're making the right decision they have to have all for all the advice strands all working together around them and they're in the core of it making sure that they've got all that information flowing towards them and i think that that's, that that's where the, the the complexity will come we could make that very easy and large firms can make that easy because they have you know, the, the ability to do so but uh for smaller firms that's tricky because who do you go to if you need an equity release specialist as an example going back to that old nutshell uh, and you're advising on pensions at the moment and you know we'll get onto this in a minute where you know we're in a falling market what do you do with your pensions etc you know at the moment um you could pull your money out of property because that's on the increase so where do you you know where do you see yourself how does that sort of you know is that an easier way is that an easier method Dave, dave's got a, a point on this in just a second but you can see the problem here when it comes to that because in a year's time that could very easily be the wrong decision um, you know, a good example of this is uh, I think everybody's uh, favorite um, financial advisor, not financial advisor, Martin Lewis, um, uh, two years ago said to everybody, why would you use equity release? You could just downsize. OK, so that, that, that you know, and, and quite honestly, that, that that was his quote. So, you know, you can go back and reference it. I'm not misquoting the guy. That is what he told people to do. This was, I think, 2018. He told people to do this. If you'd done that you'd have missed out on roughly 40% uh, growth on the value of your property and therefore downsizing, you'd have missed out on all that growth on your larger property and therefore equity release would have been a far better proposition than actually downsizing. And downsizing means that you leave all your friends and neighbours, you move out to another place, so you move, lose out on that social aspect of it and also, you know, you're not necessarily in the family home and all that. And, that, and what, you, what you miss out on that practicality is the, the emotional part of it as well as the financial part of it. So anyway, anybody being told that by a financial advisor and finding that they've lost money, they'd have cause for redress in that situation. But you've got this is the whole purpose of making sure you get somebody gets a fully formed uh, piece of advice. Sorry, Dave. Anyway, go on over to you. Yeah. And I think I think this is the whole point, John, about um, consumer duty. Because mm. the more I look at it, the more you can see dark shadows around corners. Mm. I think this is the thing. To give you an example, let's say from a distributor point of view, by the way, just like Nicola and just like Martin, you know, these are, these views are my own and not open work <laughs> partnerships, for example. Um, but for example, let's say you're a distributor. And we know, for example, if you use Dynamic Planner, a well-known risk profiling tool, there are lots of others. Um, risk Profile 5, there's about a 1,000 multi-asset funds risk profile than risk profile five. Some of them, let's say, cost 1.5% a year, AMC, or not, sorry, not AMC, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Uh, OCF plus trading costs, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them cost 0.2. Um, which one's right? Do, do the, does the regulator say, look, if somebody can charge 0.2, you can all charge 0.2. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. However, the distributors are going to have to demonstrate to the FCA why they're charging 1.5 over 0.2. If they can't provide the evidence to demonstrate why, that's going to be some interesting conversations. Now, this is going to be a long play. And you know what they're all going to do? Oh, look how well we did in the past, which, you know, you know, we, we know the truth. You can't buy past performance. You can't re-replicate risk. So that's going to be an interesting conversation. I think where it comes more pertinent 
is you get a small group of, let's say, um, DF, DAIFAs, small one-band bands, as the BDMs call them, Freds in the Sheds. So well, they're, 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 all, they're all sitting there working their own little businesses, and they think, do you know that these fund managers are charging a lot of money? I'd like to make more margin. Mm. I'm charging my, let's say, 1% ongoing. I'd like a part of that gain. So what they do, they all get together, they put the 50 grand down, they form a DFM, they put the 50 grand down, they get registered as a DFM, they set up their own little investment committee and they run their own DFM and they charge the same or more as the big players. Where is the evidence that that's better than if they just recommended a low cost oik to the client? You know, where is the evidence? You know, how are they, how are they adding consumer value? So where at the moment is we run these investment committee meetings, we get BDMs in to present to us. What? And then, and then we make a decision and, and we read some articles online and we get stuff through. It's provided by the very people that want us to buy our funds. That's really surprise, good research. Surprise, surprise. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to do all that. And then what we're going to do is put a portfolio together. Mm. Um, and, and then you go, well, can you really do that? And I think stuff like that, I think, is going to be challenged more than, you know, the, the real big stuff. Because I think some of, the, some of the stuff is just too big to deal with for the mm. FCA. Mm. But I think it'll take them a while. But I think the, the key thing that comes back to listening to Nicola is it, it, it's that evidence. What do consumers really value? Do we mm. really know what they really value? Mm. And I think it's going back to the equity release and all the rest of the stuff. I think what we're going to have to do, we, we're all going to have to individually specialize, but we've got to be multidisciplinarians. Mm. But, you know, we talk at the moment about advisors working with solicitors and accountants. You've got to work with a load of other specialists as well. You know, um, you know, the cash flow modeling tool is going to love this because that's yeah. going to be the only way to survive, I think. Totally agree. I think you're absolutely spot on. Martin, any final thoughts on consumer duty for this pod? No, it's just, I must admit, I was just thinking about what Dave just said. And, and, and that's, I've, I've, never, I've never been a fan of people doing other people's jobs. So I, I, like, I like mortgage advisors to be mortgage advisors. I like IFAs to be IFAs, you know, equity. And, and that's strange enough. We've just recruited somebody who is an equity release specialist because, you know, we, like many organisations, we've had IFAs that are qualified to do equity release. OK, and, and you know, it's one of those where if it, it's just something I think certainly equity release, you just take that on its own as a market where we're, what we're looking at at the moment, where a lot of people are property rich and cash poor and that's not going to get any better. You know, so certainly, you know, I know we all joke, but down where I live, do you know what I mean? The sort of, you know, the, the price, the price of a property is, you, you know, that's why I work in my shed. That's it, exactly. <laughs> you know, you beat me to it. <laughs> you beat me to it. But it, it, it is, you know, it's, um, you know, it is coming to a time where I think, uh, you know, it's the right time for something like equity release to be done well by the right people. You know, so to see large organisations like Nationwide, as an example, moving into the equity release market, who will do it well, they'll do it honestly, mm. you know, not like the old days of a purely sort of reversionary mortgage only and interest mm. rolled up and whatever and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's the right market, but the right people have got to do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you said, and it might be in conjunction with an IFA or with an advisor, you know, the pair of them work together on the same client and decide how much they charge and whatever that sort of thing. But hopefully that's what consumer duty is all about. It's getting the right outcome for the right client from the right people uh, at the right time. But who knows? That's it. It'll be a long game. Dave's right. It will be a very, very long game. I, I think you've wrapped it up perfectly there, Martin, actually. It's exactly my thoughts on it. It's, it's getting, getting advice 
not having advice silos anymore and having all of these people working together the days of worrying about oh if i hand it over to the ifa they're going to nick all the business right you've got to get past that now get over it get over yourself get on with it because that doesn't that can't exist going forward consumer duty won't have it you cannot just operate in isolation and then hope that the rest of the advice is okay or that the consumer understands it enough that they can you know or or worse still they they ask the client to go and research something for themselves that they don't understand you know that, that you know and that being a perceived right outcome for somebody you've got to get past that you know that's really you just, that just doesn't exist anymore excellent right i think we've done consumer duty uh, and quite honestly things may all change at the end of this month i can't see it personally i really can't i mean it, it i it was very well formed this paper when it came out um and the final consultation finished in february um so it's going live uh at the end of this month 31st july and then from there uh, i suspect watch out for um uh greeks bearing gifts really i think with this one if you see a lot of stuff online um there, there's gonna be an awful lot of chat about it no doubt going into august um let the dust settle uh if you're a financial advisor rely on the people that are around you who are um looking into it for you and get the right messages across you know obviously we all do our very very best to bring you the most informed decisions possible um there's going to be i think the, the, the uh, what you want to do is concentrate on the facts watch out for the opinions i think this is the question is the key to it here not that we haven't given opinions here today but you know what i mean it's it's um, vital that we get this right as an industry so well worth uh, checking into